Ephesians chapter 1 this evening. We're going to uh, start just looking at one verse. We have some uh, different uh, passages we're going to be looking at to uh, uh, from the different points, and we're going to look at those. And I think, as as usual, um, it would be good for us if we look at those, we can turn to them. Um, uh, like I said, a lot of scriptures, kind of very Bible study-esque in the amount of scriptures we're going to look at this evening, just because uh, there's so much in this one verse that we're going to uh, kind of unpack and look at uh, this evening. We're going to look at the idea of what we have. What we have in Christ would be a, a little bit a more descriptive title if we were going to title the message this evening. But we're going to look at verse number 7 of Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians 1 verse number 7. That's going to be our text verse and uh, the verse that we're going to be looking at throughout the message this evening. Uh, so if you would just follow along as I read this evening. We're going to read just that one verse. Ephesians chapter 1 verse number 7. It says, "...in whom we have, re have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace." Uh, we see in the book of Ephesians a wonderful picture of the position of the Gentile believer um, in the body of Christ. We find that in, in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14 through 18. Uh, Paul uh, kind of talks about how we are one body um, in Christ. Now we know that uh, during the Gospels, the ministry of the disciples and of Jesus uh, was mostly, there were some exceptions, but was mostly to the Jewish people. But after the crucifixion, and uh, even uh, after Jesus' resurrection, rather, before he goes up into heaven, he says that they're going to be uh, witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. So uh, kind of uh, even setting forth there that uh, the gospel was going to be preached to the Gentiles. And then um, he specifically sends the apostle Paul to the Gentiles after his conversion and then even tells Peter, um, if you remember the vision Peter had of the sheet coming down with all the unclean beasts on it. And Peter said, those are unclean. I haven't touched of them. And, and the, the Lord tells him, what I have made clean, call thou not unclean, signifying how uh, the Gentiles were able to receive the gospel and the salvation of Christ. So we see that wonderful picture uh, throughout the book of Ephesians. The church of Ephesus, obviously a Gentile church, started by uh, the apostle Paul there. And, and so we see him telling them that what they have is the same things that the Jews have. They have the same position in Christ, and they have the same uh, things that happen. So uh, that's what we're going to look at tonight, what we have or what we have in Christ. Let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll get into the message this evening. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day that you've given to us. And Lord, we do thank you for the salvation that is available to us uh, as Gentile people and not just to the Jews, Lord. What a blessing that is. And Lord, I pray that you'd uh, take the things that are said this evening. I pray that you guide my my mouth, guide my thoughts, Lord. And I pray that everything that is said and done here would be, bring honor and glory to you. And Lord, that it would be an encouragement and help to the folks this evening. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As I said, we see here the position of the, the Gentile believer, and obviously this is written to the church of Ephesus, but uh, as much as it is written to the church collectively, it's uh, written to the Christians individually. A, a church we know is made up of uh, called out uh, believers, those who are assembled together. So a church is more of the people inside of it than the building that they are inside of. So uh, when a, a book is written to the church at Ephesus, which we see later, Later is uh, that the uh, Apostle John in the book of Revelation, the first letter is to the church at Ephesus, and which is a picture of an age, but I believe it is also a, an actual letter written to uh, the church of Ephesus. We see 
We see that they were a church, obviously, of Gentiles. And, and we as Christians, born obviously not under Jewish law, we are, are Gentiles. We're not Jewish. So it's wonderful to see the New Testament applying not just to the Jewish believers, but also to us as Gentile believers, how we can apply these things specifically to us. It's written to a church, but it's written to individual Christians that make up that church. So we see some things here from this verse that I think are, are very important for us to realize and very important for us to uh, see of things that we have. We see first the person. Those first two words of verse number seven that we read, it says, in whom. This person that we are uh, talking about this evening is Jesus Christ. He is the, the way of salvation. He is the way that all of this uh, makes sense. The, the rest of the verse, uh, everything that we see in it, we see redemption through his blood. We see the forgiveness of sins and things, uh, all those things that we see. But the whole uh, matter is settled right there in those first two words, in whom. We see that it's talking about Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 4, we see um, in verse number 12, I have all these places marked, so you can turn there if you want, but uh, I have them marked, so I'll probably get there quicker. But Acts 4, verse 12, we see here, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby ye must be saved. Again, in uh, Acts chapter 16, in verse 31, this is when... Uh, the, the Philippian jailer comes in and he sees all the, the gates open and, and he's about to kill himself. But Paul and, and Silas, they stop him and say, we're all here. He asks them, what must I do to be saved? And they answer and they say, uh, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. They don't say do good works. They don't say make sure you, you go to church every week. They don't say make sure you're, uh, that you're uh, where you're supposed to be and you, you keep the law, which, which are all very important things for us to do. But they say believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. They don't say you have to uh, say a certain prayer or do a certain thing or, or any of those things. Just simply believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. We see Peter saying, there is none other name given among men whereby we must be saved. We see that we're supposed to uh, believe in the name of Jesus Christ. And the, the amazing thing about all of these verses, all of these things, we see that it's all through Christ. Now, these things that we have, the things that we're going to talk about, we must realize that they come from Christ. Our salvation is from Christ, and, and He is the one. Ephesians also talks about Christ is the head of the corner, the, the cornerstone. Uh, in verse number 20 of chapter 2, it says, "In are built upon the foundation of the apostles and, and prophets, Jesus Christ Himself being the chief cornerstone. He is the one that our faith is built upon. And if we don't have that settled this evening, the rest of the message is, is null and void. We don't have any of the other things because we must be in, in Him. Those two, first two words, in whom. Speaking here of Jesus Christ. So we see the person is Jesus Christ. We also see the purchase. Look at that next, uh, those next two words. In who, or, uh, the, after the next two words, it says, in whom we have redemption. That's the purchase. The purchase is our redemption. 1 Corinthians 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 20, it says, For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. This is following the verse that many of us know what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. We see here that uh, redemption is the purchase that Christ gave us. We see uh, in Him, in Jesus Christ, we have this redemption. The song says, redeemed, how I love to proclaim it, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, redeemed through His infinite mercy, His child and forever I am. 
What a wonderful song and how uh, neatly that's packaged in there, this, this idea of redemption. We are freed from our sin. Our sin is covered and, and, it, and we're redeemed through His blood. Redeemed through His infinite mercy, His child and forever, how uh, we are because we are redeemed. But it all goes back to through Christ, in whom we have redemption. We must realize that our redemption comes not from what we do. Uh, just as they said, uh, you know, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, not uh, do certain things, pray certain rosary, or, or confess your sins to someone, or do something uh, on your own, but believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That redemption isn't through anything that we can do either. It's through Jesus Christ. We see the person being Jesus Christ, the purchase being our redemption. Next we see the price. Notice this, in whom we have redemption through His blood. Through His blood. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. It says, For as much as ye know that you're not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition, excuse me, from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Again, in Hebrews uh, chapter uh, number 9, we see the same thing. In verse number 22, it says, and, uh, and almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission. We see over and over throughout Scripture that the price that is paid for this redemption that we have is the blood of Christ. You know, the song says, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. It goes on to say, this is all my hope and peace. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is all my righteousness. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. The price that was paid for our redemption that we just looked at was the blood of Christ. Now, that's a very uh, costly thing. That's not something that uh, he just uh, cut his finger and he bled and that was enough for our redemption. No, it was for he, he had to shed his blood in his death to purchase our redemption. The other, uh, another song uh, talks about how it's still the blood that saves us. It's still the blood that covers us. Yet another uh, song talking about when Christ sees the blood, He passes over us. A, a great picture that we see in the Passover in Exodus when they put the blood of the Lamb on the doorpost and the lentil of the door. When the death angel passed over, they, He saw the blood and He passed over. What a wonderful picture that is of our lives once we're saved. God looks down and He sees the blood of His only begotten Son applied to our lives. And he, and he passes over us with His judgment and with His, his wrath forever. Uh, the, the place of torment and hell, it, He passes over us and, and keeps that from us because we're covered by the blood. The, the blood is, is the price that was paid for our redemption. And, and we see that it was by Jesus Christ. The, the verse says, in whom, that's Christ, we have redemption. That's the, the purchase through His blood. That was the price that was paid for us. Next, we see the pardon. We see the pardon. In Romans chapter 4, verses 5 through 8, we see this. Uh, this is what it says, But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Even as David also described the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputed righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven, 
and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. We see this pardon. Uh, we see here in this verse, it says, through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. That's the pardon that we see here. We see the forgiveness of sins. Uh, how wonderful it is to know that we are redeemed. How wonderful it is to know and see that the Lord shed his blood for us. But how much, uh, I, I think this is kind of the culmination of all that because uh, Christ, in whom we have this redemption, through his blood, we have the forgiveness of sins. It's, it's wonderful to realize that Christ died for us, and it's wonderful to realize uh, that He shed His blood for us and that we can be redeemed, but, but it's so wonderful to realize that our sins are gone. Our sins are forgiven from us. The, the past sins, the, the present sins that we will commit in this time, and the future sins that we'll commit in the, in the future, obviously, are all uh, washed clean. They're all forgiven from us. We see in Christ and, and through Christ we have forgiveness. We have justification. Uh, that word, a good way to define justification is just as if I've never sinned. Just as if I've never sinned. Our sins are not only covered by the blood of Christ, but they're washed clean from us. I think of it like this. The, the blood is what uh, is poured on, and then it, it wipes our hearts clean. You, uh, you folks probably are familiar with the wordless book. Uh, it just has the colored pages. My heart was black with sin until the Savior came in. His precious blood I know, and then this red page has washed me white as snow. And, and that's a wonderful way to look at it. it uh, this blood, it, it covers our lives, and when God sees that blood on us, it it, it causes him to pass over it, but it, it doesn't stay that way because it washes us clean. It forgives us of all the sins that we have. We have this pardon. Next we see this provision that is given to us. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. This is a very interesting uh, fact here, the, the things that we have through God's grace, and I could spend I could spend the rest of the evening talking about the grace of God. I have uh, several messages that, that I have preached about the grace of God, and I could probably put them in as subpoints if I tried really hard, and we could just uh, spend a, a great amount of time talking about the grace of God. I, I do love talking about God's grace towards us. But we see here that we uh, have this provision according to the riches of His grace. That's a very interesting uh interesting phrase. It doesn't just say that uh, we have the forgiveness of sins according to His grace, but we have it according to the riches of His grace. His, his, when we think of His grace and, and we think of the riches of God's grace, that's, that's bountiful. That's very uh, big. There's a, a lot of grace that God has to offer through this. Think of it like this as an illustration. If one of us were to go up to a millionaire and ask him for some help, they were to take out their wallet and hand us $10. That would be out of their riches. But if they were to hand us their checkbook full of signed checks, that would be according to their riches. And we think of it that way, God would be obviously that millionaire and we're going to him for help. And he could say, well, here's enough grace for salvation. And that would be wonderful. If, if, if God's grace ended there, that would be wonderful. That would be enough to, to stand here the rest of our lives and praise him for. But God... He gives us according to the riches of His grace. Not out of His riches, but according to them. He literally hands us uh, that checkbook, so to speak, of, of signed checks and, and hands it to us and says, every time you need grace, I'm going to give it to you. You're never going to run out of the, the grace that God has given to us. The song says, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Another song says, God, grace, grace, God's grace. 
That song, uh, Grace Greater Than Our Sin, what a wonderful song that is. We think of the marvelous grace of the Lord and, and how God took uh, our sin on Him. His grace is what uh, saves us. It's what keeps us, uh, it calls us, and it keeps us serving Him. Uh, Paul says in, I believe it's the book of Timothy, that we are called by God's grace. Well, think of that. Not only does He give us grace to save us, but he, he shows enough grace and enough mercy to us to let us work for Him. And we say, well, well many times we get so uh, up uh, high on ourselves and say, well, I, I'm going to do something great for God. And, and that's a wonderful thing to want to do something great for God. I know I want to do something great for God. But many times we say uh, the emphasis is I. I'm going to do something great. Not I'm going to do something great for God, which would what the, the emphasis should be. But God, we, we look at that and we say, well, we're going to do this. But God says, no, I have so much grace that I'm going to let you serve me. And we say, well, that, that seems so conceited. Why would God? Uh, that, but because of his grace, because he, he has so much grace for us. He, he, he loves us so much that he's willing to, uh, he was willing to send his only begotten son to die for us which is the whole point of this message, really, because if we've accepted that free gift of salvation, we've accepted the, the fact that Christ died for our sins, He was buried uh, and then rose again on the third day to take our sins from us. If we've accepted that, then we have all of these things. We have Christ in whom? We're in Christ, and, and Christ is in us. We have that purchase, that redemption that Christ has given to us. We, are, we can sing that song, Redeemed, How I Love to Proclaim It. What a wonderful song. We have the, we, we've been purchased with that price through His blood. We, can, we need to think about the blood of Christ, not in a, not in a, a sick way. And I know some have, uh, it's been said, and, and how there are those who don't sing songs about the blood because it's too offensive, and they don't want to hurt anyone's feelings because that's such, a, that's such a cruel thought to think of Jesus dying on the cross. Well, there's a reason Jesus had to die on that cross. If we, realize, if, we, if we step back for a moment and don't just look at the, the cruelness and the, the crudeness of the cross, if we look at the, the price and the reason for it, then, then it's not offensive at all. It's the reason that we have, it, it's the reason we come to church on Sunday. It's the reason that we can wake up tomorrow and thank God for another day of life. It's the reason that we go on because, because of that cross of Calvary, the, the, the price uh, of, God, of Christ's blood shed on that cross. That's how He purchased us. We have redemption through His blood. We have the forgiveness of sins. And we have this uh, provision according to his riches of, uh, the riches of His grace. But I think we need to think about these things uh, on an individual level. When we think about the person, when we think about Christ, we need, to be, uh, we need to be thankful for, I should say, we need to be thankful for each one of these on, a, on an individual level. We look at these things individually. We have these five points, and, and I rushed through them so that we could kind of talk for just a moment about how to think about these and how to, how to thank God for these things. Obviously, we look at the person. We look at Jesus Christ. It, it shouldn't, if, if you have to uh, think of a reason to, to be thankful towards Jesus, then that's not a good place to be. We should, have a, we should have a love for Christ. We need to have a love when we think of what He has done for us. Uh, one, saving our soul, which we're going to talk about when we talk about the blood, but, but He saved our soul. He, he literally gave up everything in heaven. He gave up uh, not necessarily material riches, but He gave up the, the glory of heaven, the splendor, uh, sitting next to God the Father. He gave up all of that to be born 
in a very humble manner, in a very lowly manner, in a, a very uh, mean uh, a state of, of being born in a stable, not in, not in even the, the home where he was going to grow up. He was born uh, and he was just there uh, wrapped and, and laid in a manger. He left all of that for us. And he lived a perfect life, suffered, uh, suffered shame and agony on the cross. And then he rose again. And now, uh, not only that, he, he gave us his word to show us. Not only did he die for us, but he shows us how to live for him. He died for us so that we could live for him. It shouldn't be hard for us to be thankful for Christ. And then we see the purchase. It, it shouldn't be hard for us when we think about the redemption that we have. We have this redeemed, how I love to proclaim it. We're not... We're not uh, we're not bound by sin anymore. We're, we're redeemed. We're, we're now uh, able to come into fellowship with Christ. When we think about that, that's a, that should be uh, something that, that kind of uh, excites us a little bit. We were alienated from God. Think about this. And when we were in sin, there was no way for us to have fellowship with God. Adam and Eve walked with God in the garden in the cool of the day. God Himself, God Himself walked in the garden with Adam and Eve. But when they sinned, what, he had to clothe them and no more fellowship. God created us for fellowship. That's what God created man for, and, and we were created for that. But when we were in sin, we weren't able to have that. We, had no, uh, we weren't redeemed at that point, so that sin created a barrier between us and God. But because of Christ and because of what He has done for us, we, we can now come into fellowship because we're redeemed. That redemption uh, kind of signifies that ability to be in fellowship with God. What a blessing that is. And then we look at the price that all of this costs through His blood. Man, when we think about the blood of Christ, that should, that should be something that gets us, gets, us, gets us going, so to speak, and, and gets us very excited about being a Christian. When we think about the blood that, that, God, that, that the Son of God shed for us on Calvary, open shame, shed, uh, shed His blood, and then uh, took that blood and applied it to the mercy seat that's in heaven. He, he, he took it up there, and I, I imagine... I probably have this wrong. Hopefully when we get to heaven, uh, we can like kind of, maybe we'll all sit around and God can kind of rewind and show us how this all looked so we will know. But nonetheless, um, I, I imagine the Lord walking in when he was uh, laying in the grave. He, well, I know he hadn't gone up to heaven, but after he arose, he, he went up to heaven. We, we know that because he had told, he told Mary that he hadn't gone up to see his father yet. So he went up to, and I, I imagine him walking up there and, and putting that blood down on the mercy seat and saying, it's finished. Just like he said on the cross, saying it's finished, and and a little bit of study on that shows so many so many things about that phrase of how it has, it's a it's a spiritual thing, and there's a, a wartime phrase. Really, so many things encompassed in those words about it is finished. The the enemy can't get to us anymore, and there's so much things that that God has done for us just because Christ took that blood and put it on the mercy seat. Said my blood has covered all of their sin. Everything uh, from here, what, what the blood of what the uh, what does the Bible say? What the blood of goats and rams or couldn't do, the blood of Christ did for us. It is it, it covers our sins, and then we have the uh, the pardon we see here. When we think about being forgiven of sins, man, we don't just have our sins covered. Uh, it, when you think of the Old Testament. When they had to do sacrifices, that, that kind of covered their sins because you know they had to do it every year and it was, it was just a covering of the sins that they had committed. They weren't necessarily forgiven of their sins, they were just covered for that year. But we have the forgiveness of sins. 
That blood is applied and, and that blood is so much more precious than the blood of any spotless lamb. That's so much more precious than any, any ram or any turtle dove or any of those things that were offered as sacrifices. What is so much more precious that not only does it cover our sins, it wipes them clean. We have the forgiveness of sins. And then we see we have this provision according to the riches of His grace. What a wonderful thought to know that when we need something, God in His grace will do it for us. Now notice I said when we need something, not when we want something. I mean, there's a lot of things I want. I would like, a, like a, another truck because I had to trade mine in for our little silver car. So I would like another truck. I would like a, a muscle car. That would be cool, you know. I, I want those things, but obviously I don't need them because if I needed them, then God would give them to me. But, um, but we, we see that when we need things, when we have the, these needs, we go to him, and, and he doesn't remember that illustration I gave when we first looked at this point. That millionaire, uh, he could he could pull out his his wallet and give us even a hundred dollar bill, a hundred dollars. What what would that be to a millionaire, right? But that would just be something out of his riches. But God says that he gives according to his riches. He says every time that you need grace, every time that you uh, maybe slip up again, every time that you feel like uh, you you're not um, in good with God, he has grace that that covers that. I have, he says, I have enough grace that no matter what comes between, what you think comes between you and I, there's nothing there because my grace has already taken care of it. What a wonderful thought it is to know that God's provision, maybe not necessarily on a physical sense, because there are times where, where we struggle, maybe the work is slow and our, our bills are, are piling up or something on that, that sense, but, but on a spiritual sense, God has so much provision for us that we can't, that there's nothing that we lack. He gives to us according to the riches of His grace. Wonderful grace of Jesus. What a wonderful song. Grace greater than our sin. Amazing grace. Just a couple of the wonderful songs talking about the grace of God. God's grace saves us. We're, we're saved because he, he saw something in us that, that He wanted, and that's fellowship with us. So he, he sent God, or He sent His Son and extended that grace, that unmerited favor. Many have said a good definition of grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. And that's a little acrostic, and it's a wonderful uh, way to remember it because it's what God had, and because of what Christ did, we can now have that. It's that unmerited favor, us, us getting something we don't deserve. We see His mercy also us not getting something we do deserve. How many times we, we do something and, and we know God should punish us, but He doesn't because of His mercy. He has that mercy and grace for us. What wonderful thoughts here that we see. The person, Christ, we can be thankful for. The, the purchase, which is the redemption that we have. The, the price that was paid, which was Christ's blood. And the pardon that we have, the forgiveness of sins. And the provision that He gives according to the riches of His grace. Not just a little bit, but all that we can imagine. All of these things are things that we have. We have this provision in the pardon. We, we've been bought with this price and we uh, have this purchase of redemption all through Christ. Those first two words, in whom? All because of what Christ did for us. What He did for us on, on Calvary. What He did when He gave us uh, this, this book so we know how to live. In Him and through Him we have all of these things. Are we thankful for Him? Do we even think about Him? Do we, do we thank God for what He has done for us? 
Or do we just say, well, I'm, I'm saved and, and that's, that's good, which that is good. That's a wonderful thing. Without salvation, none of this would even matter. But we're, we're saved and so we need to realize these things that we have because we're saved. All of this in, in just one verse. The Bible's full of things that we have because of salvation. Let's be sure that we take time to think about what we do have in Christ. Make sure we take time to think about uh, what we have because of the price that He paid for us. And that we're thankful for it. What we have in Christ, we've seen the person, the purchase, the price, the pardon, the provision. Things that we have because of what Christ has done for us.